as women, how do we reclaim our self-worth when the conditioning for generations has been that we're somehow sinful simply by being born with our various parts? How do we shed that without losing our faith? So today's episode, we hear from Shanna Vavra, who is an intuitive Reiki master teacher, a spiritual journey mentor, and the host of Sense of Soul podcast. She's also a mom of four kids. And we're going to have just this amazing, deep conversation about shedding sinfulness. Join us to find out more. On this beautiful journey. Well, hello and welcome everybody back to another episode of Soul Nectar Show. That show where we talk about all things essence. We gather around the campfire together and we share our stories of connection to that which is greater than us, the big mystery beyond the veil, to that synchronicity that leads us home to ourselves. I'm your host, Carrie Hummingbird. And you know, I love these conversations week after week. I mean, I know there's more podcasts talking about this stuff now, but when I started, like practically nobody was, it was like me talking about stuff that nobody else wanted to hear about. And they're like, you're really weird. You're really out there. You're really freaking crazy, Carrie Hummingbird. But I almost can't stop listening because it's like a train wreck happening. And now it's like so many more people are having their podcasts. And I'm like, hey, don't forget, I've been here for seven years having these conversations. And you know what I want to say is like, I always want to push the envelope of whatever my limits are, whatever that glass ceiling is, whatever the boundary is, whatever the limitation, the belief system that keeps me limited. I want to keep pushing that boundary. I want to find out what I'm capable of. I want to find out what it feels like to be boundless. And so in the sort of spirit of being boundless, we're going to talk about shedding today, like shedding the stuff that doesn't serve us, all the conditioning and the ideas and the lies. And it's like turning upside down world, right side up. You start to realize some of the things you've been told were the opposite of what was true, actually the opposite, not even like just mildly different, but like the opposite of what was true. And so as we, especially as in female bodies, we heal some of these lies. It's really challenging because we have these ancestral fears very deep inside our bodies And it's really all about being sinful. You know, as a woman, you're so sinful just by virtue of being born with a vagina. And so is that really true? And how can we really embrace and love ourselves? And we have a very special guest with us today to help us to walk this conversation through, Shanna Vavra. Welcome, Shanna. Thank you so much. And thank you for holding this space for seven years. I mean, that is beautiful. And not just holding the space, allowing the space to even expand, right? Limitlessly. <laughs> and we are, we are, we're playing together in other ways. You guys will find about really soon. But anyway, so I want to tell you a little bit about Shanna in case, because it's been a while, Shanna, since you've been on the show, but Shanna came on before. She's the host of the Sense of Soul podcast. So some of you might remember that have been with me for a while. She's an intuitive, a Reiki master teacher, a spiritual journey mentor, and she is the host of Sense of Soul podcast. And she's a seeker at heart, a spiritual sleuth. 
She's had many surprising realizations on her journey, and we're going to hear about her latest inquiry, which is going to be really interesting, uncovering her ancestral roots and deep diving into the mysteries of the Gnostic gospel and other ancient texts. We're going to have this conversation today. And so, you know, if you're really Catholic, this might trigger you a little bit. And you know what? Hold on to your hats because that's probably good for you. So if you can't face the opposite of what you believe and still stay strong in yourself, then your beliefs might need to change. Just saying. So Shanna is also the mother of four children. Wow. Like mommy to four. And she's been coaching for 20 years. So this is somebody who's embodied her wisdom. And I always love hanging out with Shanna. And uh, yeah, we have some special projects that we'll be releasing soon, but really excited, really excited to have you on the show. So how do you, I'm just going to refer all you guys back to the first episode where I interviewed and I'll put the link in the show notes for like all of those old details about Shanna. But like, just like, what do you want to share with people today about yourself? Oh, I was going to say, I've evolved so much. I've probably had, I don't know, several spiritual awakenings since. And I hope the next time I come on, it'll be the same. You know, we're always growing, always growing. But, you know, I was listening to you speak about kind of shedding those beliefs. And for me, it started with this question. And I think this is a very important question. It's one that I asked myself about a decade ago. It was how much of what I believe in have I been told to believe in? And of that, how much have I actually experienced to be true for myself? And when I asked myself that, I was screwed. That's a big question. How much have I been told? How much of what I believe have I been told to believe? And then and how much of that, that have I actually experienced myself just to validate it? To say that that's my belief and that's true. Because I think that wisdom comes from lived experience. Mm-hmm. If you can't validate that belief by lived experience, that belief needs to be revised. Yeah. And what are you living? You know, whose dreams are you living? Whose beliefs and experiences are you living if you've never ever experienced them to be true. And being a mother, I can honestly say, as I sat and pondered on that question, that was the one thing I could say that was my truth is that I experienced a very deep love for my children. And that was true. It's not something someone told me to believe. I experienced, I've got goosebumps all over, even down on my legs. I mean, because that is an experience. And actually, when I speak about it, I feel it in my body because it's my truth. That's that discernment, that saying, yes, that's your experience, remember? And if I'm living by everybody else's dreams and experiences, I'm not going to feel that. I'm not going to feel it. Yeah. And that, you know, what you're raised for me here in this conversation is the, the absolute importance of a mother in children's lives, a mother who could open her heart and unconditionally love her kids and show up again and again and again through all their lessons. Because when you have a child, it's not just the birth. I know that some people are focused on the birth, but actually the most important part comes after the birth. It comes through all the trials and tribulations throughout your child's life, because it's a lifelong commitment to another human being to be there for them and mentor them through their challenges. And it's super triggering too, because whatever they're doing usually is your own medicine, your own soul's curriculum, right? Have you experienced that to be true? Yeah. I absolutely feel like, you know, I have kids from two different generations. So I have 26 all the way to 11. I'm a totally different person. I'm a totally different person than the last time I was on here, right? So I was a bit of a helicopter mom because in that time, right, my oldest is 26. I was living everybody else's dreams. 
I was trying to fill the role that I saw, you know, before me and my elders who I love and I worship them. I did. I saw them as to be very admired. They were very faithful. They were selfless. They gave everything to their children. They did worship their sons. Okay. I must say that was a thing. (laughs) But I wanted to be just like them. And I couldn't wait to be a mom and I couldn't wait to serve because that's what I saw. And I remember with my older son, when I had his very first birthday party, my mom said to me, aren't you going to serve your husband? And I was like, I get to serve my husband. I've waited my whole life for this role, looking at them, thinking, I want to be just like them and serve everybody, their friends and the kids. And, And it went well for a while until I lost myself. You know, I lost myself trying to fill that role that didn't have a self. It was family, faith, and friends. And there was no you in that. And even though I do see that my journey went from being kind of codependent to discovering that it's okay to love yourself. It's okay to put yourself first. It's okay to put the oxygen mask on, you know, that metaphor. But then I became almost rebellious against it. Like I will have boundaries and I will take my time. And it's not just about everybody else. It's about me, me. And then there became this space that it wasn't just about me. It was almost like I had to lose myself to then find myself again. And that self wasn't just about me anymore. It was more about a oneness with everyone. So it's almost like a twisty, turny kind of journey. Yeah, I'm with you on that twisty, turny journey. I wonder if anybody else listening can feel this as well, but there's like stages to the journey. And I don't think you can skip any stage. I mean, I did the same thing. I was like in the trying to please everybody and, and do the best job at the role that I was told I was supposed to fill and do that. And then I tried to do that to my best of my ability. And then it drove me insane because I lost myself because I wasn't taking care of me and I wasn't allowing myself to feel the anger and the resentment that was arising within me as I martyred myself, which is the shadow feeling that happens when you martyr yourself, you get angry and resentful. So, okay. I wasn't, I wouldn't want to admit that about myself. So my unconscious mind stuffed it in there and hit it just so I could keep pleasing everybody. And then I turned into a total controller because I would try to control everybody else to make the perfect picture of a family and nobody had any freedom to be themselves. And everybody was going to disappoint me because my standards were so high for myself. They were also high for everybody else. There's no way everybody could meet Carrie Hummingbird's idea of the perfect family and the perfect family picture. It was so much pressure. So I had to stop putting pressure on myself, right? I had to go, okay. I'm just going to be messy and me, and I don't care if anybody's mad at me. I'm going to take my journey and I'm going to ruin this marriage. I'm going to divorce and I'm just going to do all the things you're not supposed to do. I'm going to cheat and I'm going to do all these things that are terrible. Right. You became rebellious. I was like, I was a teenager, but see, I never did that rebellious thing as a teenager. And it is a stage. You have to do it in order to heal. Me too. You can't skip rebellious teenager. Yeah. That's so funny. I never thought of that. I did too. I mean, it was brief. Thank God. But yeah, it was brief, but very scorching of the earth for me. So, you know, but then after a while of that, it's like, okay, my voice is heard. And now it's time for other voices to be heard and me to listen. Now I'm mature because my voice has been heard and I've made the choice to be a mature adult. I've made the choice to listen. I made the choice to show up when it was uncomfortable for me. Mm. 
That's my choice. That's not somebody telling me you should or have to. No, I'm like, I want to. That's the difference, I think, between, you know, the role and the truth, the embodied truth of you and how you're going to be a mother. You just triggered a memory for me, too. I remember after I got divorced and start dating and... I didn't date for very long because I'm I'm with the guy I was dating (laughs) like 15 years later. But I remember us going to like events or like, you know, whether Thanksgiving or, you know, some sort of party. And he wasn't coaching me, but I was coaching myself in my head. And I was like, don't say too much. Don't say anything stupid. Don't do anything stupid. Don't try to be too loud. Don't embarrass yourself. Don't try to, you know. And I was like, what is this voice? And I remembered that voice, though my ex-husband would do that Mm -hmm. on the way to places. Like, I don't want you to talk to so-and-so. Don't tell anybody about this. Don't say too much about that. You know, and then, you know. Be my perfect trophy wife. Yeah. Just sit there and be cute. Pretty pleasing and polite and really make all the other guys jealous that I have such an amazing, obedient wife. Yeah. It was scary to, that was actually, I never even thought about this, (laughs) but that might have been. One of the first moments that I actually listened to myself. So when you start listening to yourself, Shanna, I think I know the answer to this, but when you start listening to yourself and following that guidance, what happens to your outer relationships? Yeah. First of all, the shit talking that I was doing to myself. I mean, wow. You know, I just so mean to myself. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't tell a stranger the things I was telling myself, which none of it was true. All of it was connected to situations like we just said. But then there was this other aspect or this higher self, right? This witness that was listening and they argue and they still argue sometimes. And I'm like, it's like this, right? You're like that way. And then you're like- The devil on the shoulder and and the angel on the shoulder. Right, yeah. (laughs) And and having an argument. But you know what? The, The bottom line is, is that that witness part, that higher self, your higher consciousness, your soul, whatever you want to call it, doesn't care about that stupid stuff. It just doesn't. It doesn't care if you have the biggest house, the best car, the best kids, you know, how much you weigh. That people like you you or respect you or think what you said was awesome. No. (laughs) It finds all that shit irrelevant. Totally. It's like, and it, doesn't it call you forth to do stuff that disrupts all of your validation from the outside? Oh, yeah. It's dangerous. <laughs> did for me. Yeah. It's yeah. scary, right? Like as the egoic personality to like have to confront all your fears of being rejected to do the things that your soul is calling you on the inside to take action mm-hmm. on, to speak out loud. Yeah. And then I'm really good at avoiding. Avoidance is my is my thing. You and a lot of people, I think you're not alone. Avoidance and also repression. There's some other shadows that keep us from actually taking action on what we know we need to do. But you know what I found was avoidance only works temporarily because then your body will start to scream at you. Oh, tell me more about that. Yes. I've also had this. Tell us more. Yeah. Like I'm fine. I'm fine. Right. The fine family. Right. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm fine. And then all of a sudden, I'm not fine. You throw your back out, right? Every bone in your body is hurting deeply. You have all of this nerve pain, pain in the neck, pain in the ass, wherever it is. And you're wondering why I didn't do anything. But yet your body is trying to tell you, if you're not going to listen, 
we're going to scream at you until you focus on it. And I mean, I had symptoms at one point. There were so many that the doctor just said, it was just fibromyalgia. Take these drugs and, and you'll be fine. But then that just covers up the pain when the pain is really a message trying to get your attention. So finally, when my memory started to go, because really that was the first thing I was on so many meds and I was like, what did I do today? I couldn't even remember my days. It was a blur. The kids would be on the roof and I'd be like, guys, maybe you should get down. I mean, like I am the most emotional person and I couldn't even cry. I couldn't cry. I mean, there was something really wrong with me. I mean, I didn't experience the stress, anxiety, and all that stuff, and the pain, you know, all that they medicated, they treated. But now I was like a zombie. I was not even me anymore. So I called the doctor. I'm like, I went off of all this. And then actually, I got a phone call from one of my friends, and she had fallen off the wagon. It was real bad. And then I told my doctor, maybe you shouldn't take me off of all of it. <laughs> Maybe keep me out a few of the things, but I said, I'm going to go to therapy. I'm going to go to talk therapy. Maybe that'll work, which I'd never done before because, you know, talk therapy. I mean, they called it shrink back, you know, in our day and it meant something was wrong with you, but you had to go and get help from somebody like you had mental illness or something. Yeah. You couldn't toughen up and get a thick skin and just deal with it. I mean, that's what you're expected to do, right? It's just toughen up, get a thick skin. But the thing is that leads to that back pain and, and the neck pain and all the stuff you're talking about, the physical symptoms, because you're not dealing with the underlying cause. When you were, I know that the, your path led to learning Reiki and, and other ways, because talk therapy is like part of the step, like we talked about step on the journey. Yes. But then it doesn't exactly heal everything. Like it, you become aware and you can voice it, but now you need to learn what to do with it. So what did you learn about? Because I'm sure that this is going to tie back to the Gnostic research you're doing now in the ancestral healing. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, actually the ancestral healing was, you know, I mean, I took one of those little DNA tests, you know, you spit in a little tube and you get your results back. And I just did it for fun. And this is about eight years, eight, nine years ago. I got my results back and I was kind of shocked. You know, I was like, okay, so I'm not French and Italian and Czechoslovakian. No, I'm like 22 different things, actually. So I'm like the melting pot of person. I'm from New Orleans, which is totally, you know, not a surprise. So I had quite a bit of African-American. I had, my dad had Jewish in him, didn't know that. I was like a gumbo. You throw everything in there. <laughs> everything. In Everything there. in there with a little bit of spice. And I went to build my tree because I was like, okay, let's see who, what nationalities are falling into, you know, which lineages, where did this stuff come from? Who hit it and why? And I got to my great grandmother and I got a block right away. Couldn't find her. Was like, this is weird. Everybody else showed up pretty easy. And so I do a Google search. And I find her in this book. I'm like, this is weird. And it's a book that would, was just released. Of, of course, you know, synchronicity, divine timing. <laughs> and so I messaged the author, why do you have my grandma in your book? My great grandma, you know, do you know anything about her? So she says, well, do you have a minute? I'll call you. And I'm like, okay, this is interesting. So she's like, you might want to sit down. I'm guessing and, this took longer than a minute. <laughs> so yeah, right? tell us. So she says, you, your family has a very rich history. You come from the French Creole people. 
Now, Creole means basically, it means a lot of things in it. I could get into a, a heavy conversation about what Creole means, but basically, it means that somewhere in your ancestry, there was a mixing of races. Now, of course, it's Louisiana. So this is very, you know, I mean, this is almost common sense. I think it would be. However, it is a master-slave sort of relationship is usually what it was. And it wasn't always out of rape. I will have to say that a lot of people just assume that it is, but that is not always the case. I mean, I've heard of love stories. You know, I've heard of the terror that went around that kind of relationship that was open because you were not allowed to marry outside of your race. So... And if you were of mixed race and you had a white father, they didn't want you to marry anybody lighter than than a paper bag is basically how it went. I mean, that's honestly, I mean, it really was a lighter than a paper bag. And if you were lighter than a paper bag, you could pass as white. And that is what my great grandma did. And that's why I didn't know or couldn't find her because she had a totally different name. We never knew this. She had a huge family underneath her. I mean, I, my mom's one of seven, huge, so many cousins. Nobody ever knew her history, our history. And no one knew the stories, the traditions. It was all hidden and buried because of the color of your ancestral skin. Because she, if you would have saw her, she was just a little white lady. Mm, so powerful. And, you know, I love this DNA research is helping us to really see our roots, you know, where we all come from. And, and yeah, the stories that were covered up and, and I had a similar thing. I know that, you know, my ancestor was full-blooded Cherokee and she chose to marry white and she could pass for white. So on the little, you know, census form, she put W, you know, for white. And she's not white, it's yeah. just Cherokee. But I'm finally improving it through it. I got a Native American DNA test and it finally proved that I am Native American. So I was like, oh, thank God for that because they can test the alleles now. We have the science, but yeah, like, it's a hot mess. You know, our country is filled up with secrets because mm-hmm. of these false premises and these ideas. Yeah. And, you know, religion plays a part in all this too. It's like yes. the supremacy, the white Jesus thing and the white supremacy thing and mm-hmm. the patriarchal control thing. Like it's all part of this and and not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I don't think that's what you're recommending. So how do you navigate your way with your spiritual connection? Because you're talking about the Gnostics. I know the Gnostics were more metaphysical, more spiritual. Mm -hmm. They were not so literal and dogmatic. Like, so how do you rescue your faith? I guess is my question. Yeah. Well, what's interesting about the Gnostic Gospels is they were so foreign to me. The concepts and the Jesus in the Gnostic Gospels was so foreign to me. I mean, I am very deeply rooted Catholic. So in Louisiana, that was another thing I found in my journey is that pretty much every lineage there was forced to be Catholic. Yeah. I mean, unless, I mean, many of them were already Catholic because they were French, but a lot of them weren't. So all of the African-American people, when they came over, it was a law. It was in the black code that they be baptized Catholic. They got Sundays off for doing so. And they didn't have a choice, of course. Then you had I had the Canadian ancestors who I had a great shaman who was known as the apostate because he was known for converting to Christianity from his tribal, probably very ancient traditions. He was forced, him and his tribe. Then you have 
the people that were getting on the first five boats weren't all from France, which is so interesting. I'm almost, I'm actually more, I think, German Creole than French Creole, which a lot of people don't know that. But Swiss and Germans came over on those first five boats. And before you got on the boat, one of my ancestors was a witness. That was his job. That before you got on the boat, you had to be baptized. So this was deeply rooted in me. It wasn't just something that I witnessed and participated in. It's in my bones, this very conditioned way of Catholicism, this very one way, right? That outside of that is heresy, which the word heresy in Greek, that means choice. So there was no outside choice. So when I'm reading for the first time, the Gnostic gospels, which are Christian, okay? Jesus. It's Jesus's teachings, not just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John's gospels. There's also his other disciples, also including women, where a you know Mary had her own gospel. Many of the gospels in the Gnostics, um, they are recounting the many questions that the women disciples had for Jesus, Mary Magdalene especially. I really resonate with her, especially in the Pistis Sophia, which is a very deep read when it comes to Gnostic Gospels, but found in the Nagamadi, but was also found in the 1700s as well. And in that book, Mary is mentioned over 200 times, over 200 times. Peter's mentioned like five, but she is so inquisitive. She's such a seeker of truth. and. You can just tell how smart she was. She was definitely a huge part, I think, of Jesus's journey that's been hidden. Yeah. And see, that is something to be commended, right? Like those of us who value questions and inquiry and the discovery process and wisdom are loving these teachings, right? From Mary Magdalene. Those of us who are afraid of a woman's power want to shut down questions. Yeah. And I think that's like a matter of control to create safety, but it's like sacrificing so much more. And we're seeing the end of that era. And we're seeing like how, when we don't ask enough questions and we don't take enough time and space and we don't listen to each other and we instead force and control and, and we end up with war because you're basically telling one group of people, we're the chosen people and you're not, so we can kill you. And everybody's saying that to each other because they all feel like they're the chosen ones. But if we're really listening to the feminine wisdom inside the Gnostic, we're we're not getting that information about somebody's chosen and somebody's not. We get the mother's perspective. And the mother's perspective is everybody's chosen. Okay. So you're going to love this. So it was the beginning of October. I was attending in a Sophia circle. And at the end of the circle, we got a moment to just sit and pray. And instead of putting out prayers, I was asking for wisdom. I was asking to receive something. And flooding in comes like the most divine two sentences. And I pondered on it for, I'm still pondering on the wisdom that came through. So simple too. It was, I belong to no one. And you can read that in many ways, but I was getting no one like O-N-E, no one people, no one person. I belong to no one and I am home to all. Oh, that's so beautiful. It makes me want to cry. It did for me too. 
And it was such, I have, again, goose, I don't know what's up with the goose. No, but that's beautiful because that is exactly what I feel in my heart. Yeah. And this is the Native American philosophy is that we don't own her. She owns us. We don't own her. She gives us a home. She gives us a body and life, but we don't own her. And so to like divide her up and fight over her. It's so crazy. So the home part, it's serious. It's like one thing that for myself is when I came home to myself and that's where you meet Sophia. That's where you find that inner wisdom. That's where you understand you're more than just yourself once you've discovered yourself. Yeah. And yourself is kind of the multiplicity of, I mean, this is what's talked about in the Gnostics, right? It's like yourself is the, how you think of yourself is on the outer side of the circle, which is the oh. multiplicity. Out of the outer side of the sphere is the multiplicity. The inside is Sophia, is the truth, is the mother, is the one that created all of us. And there is one creatrix and we're all inside of her. It never, ever made sense to me that there was a man who was like birthing when women have the bodies at birth. So I don't understand that. Like how Oh, everything is made in the image and likeness of. So how, I don't, I don't. If you look at the first story of the Bible, you could look at it from a different perspective than what you've been told, right? And so now I feel like I do have my own experience and belief about it. It's my truth of how I see it. It's an allegorical story. And that's, That's really what the Gnostic Gospels are. They're stories within a story, like a painting, you know, with hidden symbolism in it or something. And that's how I looked at the creation story and how I've received it actually gives women power. And of course, the Bible was made by men for men, right? Obviously not for women. (laughs) But that first story looking at a different perspective, the tree of life of good, or not the tree, the tree of wisdom, the tree of knowledge of good and evil or good and bad. I mean, we all know right from wrong. I mean, we know what's good and bad right here in front of us. But when we go back a little bit from a distance, that becomes distorted. What I see as good, you may see as bad. And this is very true. And even in our own journeys, what we saw as good (laughs) maybe becomes bad or vice versa. So there is a distortion in your perspective of what is good and bad. But here it is told from higher source or God, supposedly in this story, that if you eat from this tree, you're going to know right from wrong. You're going to have discernment. So don't eat from that tree because I don't want you to be all knowing. Yeah, because if you had wisdom and discernment, you wouldn't be able to be controlled. Bingo. But then he says, you know, but then you have the serpent that comes around and says, well, you surely will not die if you eat from this tree. You will be like God and be all-knowing. So why wouldn't you eat? From, I mean, hello, people, eat from the freaking tree. Yeah. Because guess what? God then says, well, because you did so, Eve, I'm going to go ahead and make sure that you're in so much pain and you have childbirth. Oh, my goodness. So now you're going to punish me by me becoming a creatrix myself? So now I can create like you. When people think about birth, of course, it is painful. But it's also beautiful. We are like God. We are creatrix. Our bodies can create. Our bodies can create all kinds of things. I mean, our bodies can create children. If you're a woman, you know, in a woman's body, you can create children. You can also, but anybody has a 
even males' bodies have a little womb in the womb space of a woman, right? So we all have a little creative center in that second chakra. So we all are capable when we choose to create from the inside and from the knowing of yourself on the inside, that tiny voice, not like the loud one in your head, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're creating from the tiny voice and the tiny voice is like a little dollop of divine, (laughs) you know, like, like it's all meted out to everybody, right? We couldn't live without the divine. We wouldn't even be here. What's animating your body, you know, like it's the divine. Once it's gone, it's gone. Everybody knows it. Have you ever seen somebody die? Like, well, yeah, and actually in the Gnostic Gospels, the cosmology, the creation story is much different. It's juicy. I mean, there's many different stories told about it, but none of them are like the one that we've been told. But it's kind of like the story told before the garden. Mm. Like all in that, the you know, God created light and all that. It's before that. So it talks about that there are and and there's some that are that say 12 some that say 7 so I'll just be general but that that there is this energy and it basically sees itself and wants to create so it creates it, itself but it creates it's called a syzygy which is like a twin flame or like it's an opposing it's a duality it's a form of like how they say every cell has like antimatter, dark matter, light matter, like it has a copy of itself. But that copy of itself is like light and dark. So it's an opposite. So it creates this feminine energy. And this feminine energy and the male energy together create other energies like themselves. So there's all of these, like if you want to think of them like archangels, but they're called ions. And then there's also their counterparts. And the last one that was made was the lesser Sophia or Pistis Sophia. And her counterpart would be Christ. However, she desires to create too, because it's just in her nature. And she creates something. And when she does, because it's not with her divine counterpart, it's kind of distorted. And it's got the head of a lion and the tail of a serpent. And it has just enough light to be a creator itself. Because she created this without her counterpart, her energy field lessens a little bit. So she falls outside of where the rest of these heavenly beings were, which is called the Pleroma, this place of, if you want to think of like a heaven. And so she falls outside of that dimension and she casts out this distorted creation that she made, which she calls Yaldabaoth. So it decides, though, that it wants to create with a little light. But of course, it doesn't have divine light like she does. But it has just enough light to create a third dimension. So far, like way, way, well, well aware. I mean, this is like where they were is like the 12th dimension or higher. And so now he's all the way in this third dimension. This is where he is and he creates. But yet in this place, nothing really can survive more like zombies he's creating so sophia sees from a distance what he's done and so she's going to go down there and she's going to inspect this situation basically and she sees this blob of creation that he's made and so she creates something too and she creates life or in the story her name is zoe zoe sophia and Zoe Sophia stands before the blob and she blows into him and she says, rise, man, rise. And he does. 
and she calls him Adam. Well, Yal Debayoth is pissed. He's like, I cannot believe this. You know, this is not going as planned because now Sophia has brought life to the earth. And Zoe Sophia jumps all over the earth and creates mountains and rivers and trees and bugs, you know, all of life in this beautiful garden and rivers that flow to meet each other here in the middle. And Zoe Sophia creates a clone of herself and lies her next to Adam and calls her Eve. And that's more of, I mean, it's just a story, right? It's an allegorical story, but it's nothing like we've ever heard. For women to hear that story, for me to read those stories, can you imagine? Yeah, you go from being the the um, terrible slut to being the one that created the flowers and the mountains and the streams from your big love and your big heart coming down from the 12th dimension to create all this life. That is a better story for women to hear about themselves. And then she sinks (laughs) into the earth. Her light sinks into the earth and she becomes Gaia. Mm, That's like so beautiful. It is beautiful. It's a beautiful story. And actually, Zoe Sophia becomes the serpent in the tree to warn Eve that you will not die. Yeah, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Eat from this tree. It will bring you wisdom, inner wisdom. And that's what we're all trying to seek within, right? Sophia is that spark within each one of us, not just females, right? Also males. It's that inner wisdom that's been buried in the Nagamati or wherever in whatever stories and in all cultures. And instead of embracing the energy of the serpent when she comes to you, I was telling you my story in ceremony one time, we get terrified of it. I had this experience in a ceremony on on some plant medicine where the serpent came to me, but it was scary to me because it was like hissing and rattling his tail and all this power. And it really, and I found myself curled up like, oh my God, I want God. I want God. I want God. I'm not going to be bad. I promise. It's evil. You know, oh my God, please don't, you know, God save me. Like this whole thing that I'm not even from that belief system. My grandmother was, but I was like, wow. And it really haunted me for a long time. Yeah. Until I I kept noodling on it because I'm like, this isn't right. Like, it doesn't feel right. Why was I so afraid? And it's because of all this ancestral fear and conditioning to make women be afraid of their own power, their own wisdom, their own connection with Gaia to make us all be afraid of ourselves so that we'll diminish ourselves, ourselves, you know, that we'll run from our own power. Mm -hmm. I really feel like that's what this whole conditioning has been about. And so, you know, I'm embracing the serpent now. I told you I took um, Boawaska in the jungle and that's the spirit of the anaconda. And so I'm just like, Sacha Mama, come and get me. You know, like I'm ready for that now. I'm ready to embrace without fear that aspect of me. I can't, I mean, I might have some fear come up, but I'm, I'm ready to embrace that deep wisdom, that deep mother Gaia, that Sacha Mama, that, yeah kundalini energy that kundalini force that the serpent represents life force i know it's almost like it was intentionally made in that story that the serpent be the one to almost like trick you know eve into making a choice it's like all of these things it's made to be scary so you fear to be able to choose discernment to choose something well, I feel like in my heart that Gaia is not here to uplift a whole lot of helpless victimization women. 
Yeah. You know, she's not going to coddle us. She's mm-hmm. like, no, you have your own power. Stand up in it. Stand up. How many messages? I've gotten so many messages to stand up. Mm. Over the last year, they started coming in because I was surrendering my power, right? Because I channeled the book from White Eagle and I was like, oh, White Eagle is helping me and guiding me. Like, I'm really comfortable with this idea of White Eagle, like this, this mm-hmm. winged being of light and like, yes, I love this part. And I was so terrified of the other part, right? And I was like, oh, I have to stand up on my own two feet. That's hard. But we are being called as women to do that. We're being mm-hmm. called to stand in our power. Yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, you look at someone like Mary Magdalene, who for so long, you know, was literally labeled a prostitute for so long. And she was not a prostitute. And during my journey, I'd fallen into knowing Helena Petrovna Blavatsky. I don't know if you recall her, but she was from like the late 1800s, early 1900s. She actually created, so it was her that created the Theosophical Society. Mm. So she wrote so many books and she studied, her journey was much like mine. And I feel I didn't know anything about her. I happened to stumble upon her during my Sophia journey, just synchronicity. And I really did feel like maybe she was a guide to me. Because I just don't even know where she came from. <laughs> she just was there. Randomly and just shut up. Yeah, her books. Yeah, I mean, this is a woman who had to write under HPV. You know, say my name is Helena Petrovna Blavatsky. I'm an author. You know, this is a woman who she went down deep into the secret societies. She would even join them, just like I had to in many ways in my study. Because when you go down the path of the Gnostic Gospels, it brings you into those dark places because. Even though a lot of this was buried, it also was passed down in secrecy. Yeah, secrecy. Yeah, protection. Secrecy is protection. And the serpent does protect the inner teachings of the mother goddess from those who might abuse it. So until you're really, really solid in your integrity, she's not going to open up to you. So help you get to the place where you have integrity. But those teachings are sacred. Those are for people who are really ready to walk a path of integrity. Jesus said, those who have ears, let them hear. Yeah, same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. and it takes a while to cultivate yourself to the place where you're bestowed upon that kind of blessing. Yeah. I mean, and I tell you what, there was a lot of synchronicity and a lot of divinity around my, my journey. I mean, I was having some major wisdom come through nature. I mean, nature was my greatest teacher over this journey, not books. It was really my experiences. And nature was, I mean, Mother Earth was literally speaking to me. I mean, whether it was through the moon or through animals, through the dove, the dove became very, I mean, I have doves all over. The other day I was outside and I was counting the doves in my tree and I just (laughs) lost track. I was like, this is so crazy. But the dove actually is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And Sophia is known as the Holy Spirit, you guys. The Holy Spirit, that is a Jewish feminine word, Rosh. That is father, son, and not a bird. It's, no, it's father, son, and not a ghost. Mother. You have a father and a son. Where's the mother? Yeah, the mother is the one that births you into being. So hello, like this is as above, so below. (laughs) For some reason, I mean, it's common sense. Right. Mm-hmm. In the Gnostic Gospels, Holy Spirit's mentioned a lot. In the Bible itself, in the New Testament, it's, it's just so interesting. Like we have to twice. call it Holy Spirit. We can't call it Mother. 
That's just the weirdest thing to me. It's right? mother. Like yeah. say it. Stop. You know, it's you have a father and a son. Why do you have to call it Holy Spirit? It's mother. It's mother God. Mother. How how could you possibly have a holy family without a mother? Without a mother. How is a father somehow just gonna immaculately have a vagina? A child without the mother? Because that's that's the man's like dream world, right? Like I don't want her in her power. I just want a receptacle to deliver my children, you know, and then have some fun. If I God wanted to <laughs> men to be the creators, he would have gave them vaginas. In the womb that creates a baby. There you go. It's true. It's true. And it was a hard <laughs> concept though for me to wrap my head around. Because of the conditioning. Yeah. A goddess? I mean, was that a what? fairy tale? I mean, it sounded silly and that's yeah. sad. That's sad. It's sad, but it takes, but you keep going. You, you get through it. If you just keep going and listening it's like powerful. you, yeah, it like it unveils itself. You're shedding off those conditions. Shedding the sinfulness, people. The shame. <sighs> oh, all of Please. it. As the if. Guilt of caring for Eve, right? The guilt. Please. Just. Yeah. It's so many stories around the campfire and it's so much fun to spin a yarn for a while, but eventually the truth shall be known. I never felt such power Mm -hmm. as I did as I was, as I brought that in and accepted it and owned it and knew it was mine now, now my truth. And I will tell my stories around it. Oh, it was nothing I had been told Mm -hmm. to believe. It became my own belief and my own truth. It doesn't have a name or anything attached to it as in like a religion or society. It really is just mine. It's my own personal, you know, and Jesus is like a Buddha in those Gnostic gospels. I have a new relationship with him. So it's not that I did abandon maybe my ancestors or those before me or what or my beliefs. I just found a new way to receive them, a new path. A way that allows you to love yourself and your body and yourself as a mother and honor yourself. Yeah. I'm yeah. proud. A I'm way proud. that you're included in the grace as a woman. I'm part of the Holy family, not just a whore. Yeah. <laughs> part of the Holy Imagine family that. folks actually like somewhat the center of it, to be honest. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty powerful. <laughs> yeah. you know, I did. <laughs> I, you know, I have Murray Laveau in my tree. I think I've told you that before. Mm. I have her in my tree two different ways. One from the man that she's buried with, the Glapions, and then also her would be her father or her mother, her mother or grandfather, you know, that side. And it's the same with her. I mean, she was made to be a witch, a boogeyman. But if you can imagine a colored woman feared in the 1800s. That's power. That's a lot of power. Yeah. Inner power too. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. she doesn't have anything else. So she has her inner power, her faith, her knowing, her heart, her womb. And her obituary was the most beautiful thing I've ever read. It was pages and it was titled The Sainted Woman. I'm not making this up. You can go and read it. She was not the witch boogeyman that I feared as a child. <laughs> I mean, there was even like little rhymes like, Ooh, ooh, you better watch it. And Marilla Vu's going to come and get you. Conditions. Mm-hmm. Conditions. Yeah. And that's that's kind of what bullies do is they, they're usually people that feel really disempowered. And they band together and they disempower the people that actually have the inner, 
the love, the gifts to share. That's what so often happens. Love, right? We're talking about love and compassion. Honey, we would have been burned at the stake. (laughs) I know. We're talking about love and compassion. What? Right. Yeah. You can't talk about that. We live in fear world. Not anymore. We're done with that. You know, every, every dog has his day and then it's time to go. And the next dog gets to come in. Actually, it's the cat in case anyone noticed. Ooh. Have you guys noticed how many cats are in the media right now? Like cats are everywhere. We just saw the the movie, The Avengers, and they're like literally featuring cats all over the place. Oh, wow. Instead of raccoons. (laughs) They're cats. Yeah. All over the place. So, oh wow! The, cat, the return that, of the that cat. Energy, that lighter energy. <laughs> exactly. The yeah. return of the cat. You know, if we're in that time. You know, it's like thank you, dogs. You've been very helpful. Now the cat. Dog returns. eat dog world. Yeah. Now the cat returns. Mm. So you know, we're just playing in a different energetic, and it's time to come on, everybody. We had plenty of experience with that modality, and now we're switching. So I'm gonna quote you. And maybe I won't quote you, but maybe you can share something that you had said in the last time I interviewed you on Sense of Soul podcast that stuck with me and hit my soul and never left me. Hmm. I think about it a lot, Hmm. almost daily. Wow. What did I say? I know. You're that smart. (laughs) You are amazing. You are so wise. But you shared with me that, you know, the sun rises and falls. It's so predictable. It's so masculine. You know, you can always depend on it. It's going to, for me, anyways, it rises in the east and it, you know, it's going to set behind those mountains in the west. Mm-hmm. But yet the moon, she dances across the sky. She you know, does. she goes through these phases. She's, you know, sometimes she's revealing all of herself and sometimes she's inward and sometimes she's not. And if you think about it, maybe we've just been experiencing the moon deciding to be dark, to let mm-hmm. the masculine shine for a little while. But now she's she's coming back. (laughs) She's she's like my turn. I love that so much. And and my turn brings everybody together because that's what the mother does. My turn means everybody gets to be loved now, not just some over others. Everybody, it's time for everybody to be loved. Yeah, right. I love that. You know, I had a moment with the moon because I've always been a full moon person. I mean, like I I want to (laughs) howl. I get all this energy and I'm all like, yeah, full moon. And I've always kind of known when it's a new moon because I feel like, and then like, is it a new moon? It's a new moon, isn't it? I I like totally call it. So one day I was out in my front yard and I live in Colorado. So it was super cold. And I was, I started my car, you know, let it warm up. And they've got this new rule. You can't leave your car, you know, because it's bad for the environment. You can't like let your car warm up. But so I was sitting outside. And I was sitting there and I look up and I see it's the sliver in the sky, you know, this little wishbone moon. And it's probably about seven in the morning. I was getting ready to bring my kids to school. And I look up and I just kind of thought to myself, oh, great. It's the new moon. Great. You know, what are you even good for? What are you good for? And um, I've been going through menopause, you know, moving into my crone mm-hmm. phase. And I just sat there with the moon and it was so cold. You could see my breath. I mean, it was freezing outside. And all of a sudden, wisdom came over me, much like, you know, when Sophia had come over me in that circle and said to me, you can't always see your breath either, can you? But you know that it's there. That's powerful. I have goosebumps all over. She said, 
even though you only see one part of me, right? Thin and slender. I am still whole. I am still here. And this is just from your perspective that I am always whole. You are always whole. And it made me think about a lot of things. But as I was moving into my crone, thinking, I don't always see that curve and slender Shanna anymore or have the energy. And sometimes I forget that she's still part of me. And I went through the longest mother phase ever having children from 26 to 11. Yeah, it is. So I was in that comfy mother nurturing role for so long. And now I desire like this peace just to be Mm. sometimes solitude. I'm never like the only person you need to be concerned with for a little while. Right. But that, you know, I'm, I'm, it's all of me. I'm whole, Mm. you know? Yeah. The whole journey is you. Absolutely. That's beautiful. What beautiful words you've had to share with us today. Thank you for bringing all of your beautiful downloads and messages or just opened my heart and your studies that you're doing. I know that I can always direct people over to your podcast. I put a link below to the sense of soul podcast, but what else do you want to share? Do you have a free gift or do you have some, some place you want people to direct you? Like, what do you want to share with people? Uh, You know what I love to do most is I know for myself, I always want to teach what works for me, of course. Right. You know, and I do work, I do have a coaching program, but what I really love is to help people with their ancestry. I mean, I've helped hundreds of people and, you know, cause it took me so long to do mine. And I'm like, as I started to help like my friends and family, I was like putting, and I was like, I knew what to do. I'm like, oh, I did this and, and I really connected in this way. So I made a program called the clear workshop and I work one-on-one with you. It's not that expensive. It's affordable. And I tell you for myself, it was the most healing I've ever done because you really, truly, if you want to fully be able to receive, you have to shed some of these conditions. And some of them are so deeply in your body, in your DNA, you don't even know they're there. And this is a timeless healing. We're talking past, present, and future healing. So it's pretty amazing. And it works on just that multidimensional field of energy that you are. So I would love to, I will gift 50% off, 50% off for you guys too. Yeah. For anybody that wants to do that, because I love, love, love to do it. Yeah. It's very healing. And I will- should I just give them your email like in the Yeah, show no, notes, they can or? go to senseofsoulpodcast.com. Mm-hmm. And if they go to um, classes and workshops, um, they'll see the clear workshop. And then if they want to put in the code, let's make it, well, Hummingbird's pretty long. <laughs> let's do like HB2024 or something. Yeah, let's do that. So if they put in the code HB2024, they'll get 50% off. Is that capital H, capital, or is it Yeah, just let's low? do capital H, capital B, B2024. Okay, I'm going to put all of that in the show notes, you guys, so you can go claim it for yourself. I'll put a direct link to that. Thank you so much for that offer. Yeah, oh, great. Like ah, this is what good friends are for, everybody. Okay, so wow, what a powerful conversation. I just want to honor you for your journey and all the wisdom you've gained and for sharing it with us here so that we can also receive from your inner work. 
we can get something from that and get sparked on our journey. So thank you so much. And please like, and subscribe and share this episode out with anybody that you think would be open to it. And you can even ask in advance, are you open to something really stimulating and and expansive? Are you open to something that'll really open your heart? Ask somebody. And if they say yes, then share the link, you know, just give them a little chance. Are you open to something that might trigger you if you're Catholic, but it might also open you? Are you open to hearing something new, a new perspective? So just ask. And if they are, share it. And this is how we do the work together, everyone. So we're going to give kisses. Uh, Sienna, would you like to join me in giving kisses? Are ready? Mm-hmm. Here come yeah. your kisses. Thank you guys for staying till the end. Mm-hmm. I love you guys. Thanks, Thank you, Carrie. Thank Here. you so much. So grateful for you. See you guys next week. Bye for now. Bye. If you found even one gold nugget in this episode of Soul Nectar Show, will you do us a favor? Will you subscribe, like, and share this episode? Maybe even write a comment and let us know what you thought about it. We really, really want to engage with you at a much deeper level. Let's be part of community together. Have a great week, everyone. Bye for now. To dive in deeper to nourishing conversation, visit soulnectar.show. Soul